welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Tara Burt Whistle has danced at the pinnacle of professional ballet for most of her career. She joined the Royal Winnipeg Ballet in 1991, was made principal dancer in the year 2000, and has been ballet master for 11 years. She has represented the company and danced all over the world during her nearly 30-year career, including a performance for the Queen. Now, the Artistic Director of RWB, Tara has taken a more directorial and mentorship role. Tara is focusing on the next generation of dancers and keeping the arts alive and thriving in our community. And I think we forget, especially this day and age, that it's very important. Beauty and uh, creativity having a voice in that any genre of the arts is very important and I would like to believe that we're moving in a direction where we are bringing beauty back. I sat down with Tara to talk about the sacrifice required to thrive in the world of ballet, the challenge of telling stories through movement, and the importance of dance, creativity, and the arts in our society. Because the arts is crucial for the guidance of our souls, especially in the world today. Robert Whistle, thank you for being on the Because and Effect podcast. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. So we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that I admittedly don't know very much about. So I'm excited to learn from a master. Um, but I guess maybe let's just start at the start. How did you get started dancing? Why ballet? Where did that all come from? Well, like, <clears throat> excuse me, any little girl, I took dance when I was three years old. I was more of a tapper, though. Uh, I had my heart set on Broadway dancing, actually. I was introduced to ballet when I was about 10, and uh, a ballet teacher, I'm I'm from Sherwood Park, Alberta, said, well, I've taught everything I can to you. I think you need to go to a professional school. So in Winnipeg, we have a professional division to the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, and so I left home when I was 13 to train here in Winnipeg. I've been on tours there, and it has all the kids in there. Like, How important is it to start young when you're getting into this into this uh, art form? It's, it's, there's, only, there's a very small window that you can start training as a ballet dancer. Very, very few start in, as a teenager. It's like around 11. Why is, is that? Like, what's the... Uh, it's much like a... I always compare it to hockey players, right? They That's start something young. I can, uh, I yeah, can relate to. Yeah, they start sure. young. Yeah. And uh, you hone your skills from when, you know, you're like a sponge. Right. And your, your body's still growing and... Um, so your body will grow into the classical form and into a, a dancer, much like a hockey player. When it, it just it has to be instinctive when you become a professional. Right. So, what was that process like for you growing up? Did, were you always like day day one? This is what I'm gonna be. Once you discovered ballet, was it kind of you fell in love immediately? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's how it has to be because it's so difficult as a young person to put your life into or dedicate so much time to training. So if you don't have that innate love of it, it you just won't be able to do the training. It has to kind of be an obsession then, I Absolutely. would imagine. Do you think how the art form is portrayed in like movies and TV is accurate or what are some what are some misconceptions that people have about ballet that you run up against? I th- the public thinks dancers sort of tippy toe around. Um, look pretty, and of course it looks easy, right? 
uh, nowadays we do stories that are much bigger than the the the, the scheme of classical dance. Um, but dancers are athletes, very much like the they're full bodied athletes. And and uh, in my it was just in my time where we started to be the dancers were treated like athletes. And I think that's the misconception. What was so, it before? Like, paint me a picture of how it was perceived and then um, how it's now a little different. Uh, that we were like little porcelain figurines. That we weren't... No one understood what it took to physically do dance. It, people admire the dancer, but now, now there's such a comparison to athletes. So has the training changed too? And like the diet and, and exercise and everything Absolutely. that goes into it? Yeah, like even so? Even from when I was a dancer um the dancers nowadays they turn more they jump more they um can balance longer uh so we have a, a physiotherapist team we have a, a medical team we have a health um support which we didn't have in 1990 and so how do pe how do how often do people not make it let's put it that way well I started when I was 13 here in, at Outer Professional School, and I'm the only one that became a dancer from that class. Out of how many? Uh, we started about 10. Wow. And uh, people came in and out, but from that original class, I was the only one that became a dancer. And that's by design, do you think? Or like, why is it so hard? Well, I think uh, once you hit your high school years, that's when there's that... Kind of have to choose. You're choosing, yeah. right? And it's it's that's when it gets weeded out very quickly. Um, either you physically can't do it anymore, maybe mentally you just don't want to do it anymore. You found something else that you have a passion for, so that's that's what generally how it gets weeded out. So paint me a picture of when you're in your prime and kind of realizing, holy cow, I can probably you know make a career out of this. What was that like? And and. Tell me what your journey was like. Where did all, where did it all take you? Because you have a long list of accomplishments yes, over your you know three decade career. <laughs> I don't think there was ever a moment that I was like, oh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make it. I always thought I was gonna make it. Mm. I just because I knew that I had to tell stories. I just because I that's what I loved about dance it wasn't necessarily the physicality of it. I loved being a character. I loved uh, even when I was young. I would dance in the basement and pretend I was somebody else and have an audience. And uh, so it was kind of like I just, even at a young age, I knew that I had to do this. Did I, I never thought that I would go as far as I did, though. Um, and I don't think there's ever a moment where you're like, oh, I've, I've made it. Because even when you're at the top of your game, you're still learning and you're still pushing through and, you're, and it's very competitive as well. So What's that like when you are on a team essentially, but you're still competing within the group that you're dancing with. It's, um, uh, at the Roman Valley, we're, we're a medium sized company and uh, we travel quite a bit. So you're, you become very friendly. The, the people who you're, who's on your team, they're your family. Um, so it's, it's kind of, um, friendly competition. Uh, was it always? Well, there's a, there, all, there is a shift. So if I, when I was a core member and then I became a soloist, but my friends were in the core still, there's, there's a bit of a shift, right? And the 
jealousy. Interesting. Uh, but we balance it, right? So I, I say it's, we, we're, ki- we're kind of okay with the imbalance. We balance the imbalance. That's kind of like, you know, when you're trying to make a team in hockey or, or whatever sport you yeah. are, you, you're, you're playing with people, but you're also still jockeying for position a little bit. Exactly. Has that politis, political kind of game ever deterred you, or were you always just like, no, this is part of it, and I can handle it? You know, that's a good question, because I don't like competition. I never, I don't like conflict in, in many ways. So if I felt that I was, if I felt that competition vibe, I would... Uh, wouldn't step back what I was doing, but I would just inside step back and, and say, you know, I, I don't need to you know, do what I can do and not try to up somebody. Just kind of play my game. And yeah, like head yeah. down. Right. Like an athlete. It's so you, you mentioned that uh, you love playing characters. What are some of your most beloved roles that you've taken oh, on? Oh, uh, Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Uh, the... Uh, we do a Dracula, and I was Lucy, so I was the original Lucy. And that ballet did the most in my career, uh, and I loved it every time. I must, I probably performed it six hundred times, and I loved every show of it. What was it about that role that you um, that resonated with uh, you? Well, it was created on me, so <clears throat> I would say that I am Lucy. So now that when the company does it, it's really interesting because. When I coach the dancers who are doing Lucy, they're doing what I created as the character. And the choreographer didn't, the choreographer gave me great um, um, range. Like I could do whatever I wanted with the character. It's not, you know, I did the steps, but I built the character. So it's really interesting to pass that on. Um, But I loved it because she starts out sweet and then she becomes a vampire and then she's crazy. And yeah, I loved it. Runs the whole gamut of emotions. Yeah, within 45 minutes. What is the response of people when they see emotion portrayed in physical movement and maybe they haven't before? Like, how, What's some of the feedback that you've gotten over the years that's uh, stayed with you? Uh, well, I, one person in particular, and, and this is, I think, across the board. Uh, Matt, I was sitting, this is after I retired and associate director, and I'm sitting next to a gentleman, and... I just said hello, and he's like, oh, I'm so excited. He's 65. My friend brought me to the ballet, and I've never been to the ballet. So, uh, and truth be told, he sort of looked like somebody that, rough, like a first impression. Blue-collar guy, kind of, yeah. first impressions. And uh, intermission, uh, lights go up, and he looks at me, and he has tears in his eyes. And he said, I can't believe I've been missing this my whole life. So it's because, and you don't. When you watch ballet and you're moved and you don't know why you're moved, that's so beautiful. So why are people, how are, what do you attribute that to? Um, Everyone feels emotion, right? So when you're watching a dancer um, create emotion with their body, I think the audience feels it. So it's different from a word, from words, because the, the, the emotion created in dance can be interpreted. And words sometimes are so concrete that um, if people feel like they need to understand the words, whereas movement, and I always say this to people, you don't need to understand it. You just need to let it wash over you and you feel whatever you feel. 
it's almost as if when someone is watching something that doesn't have a script or doesn't have a uh, um, words being said, mm -hmm. they can remember things from their own life and apply it in that sort of way. Can you, do you, can you teach that concept to young dancers of like the power that they have and, and the understanding of the interpretiveness of everything? Yes. Yeah. Um, we're just now um, implementing acting to the, um, the school, which is interesting. But the, I, I always say a dancer has it, the it factor or not. I've heard that, yeah. So, and I, every dancer in the Royal Bank Ballet contributes something, right? And so some dancers are what we call technicians. So people who can jump really high and turn. And, and then there's some dancers, um, the absolute master of it, Evelyn Hart, who is our prima ballerina for many, many years. She could stand on stage, just stand, and people would weep. It, it, she just had something. She had it. And you can't really teach it. How do you recognize that in a, in a young um, dancer? When they're doing different styles of dance and then you see that they're starting to, they, they create character mm. through the steps. So if they're doing, I don't know, a Spanish dance, character dance, they tr you can see them transform themselves or they're learning to be a swan and, and you see in their body that they are imagining themselves as the swan queen. Not just doing the dances, but believing they became something yes. else almost, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like a, in a young person, it's their imagination, mm -hmm. right? And, and with, with the professional dancers now too, as they, they start getting bigger roles, I, I talk about imagining who you are and, and you know, as an actor, um, Lucy, what did she, what did she have for breakfast today, right? Or who's her favorite maid? Um, why does she keep calling Dracula? You know, like so, yeah. uh, trying to create their own script. It's like a method actor almost, yeah. like becoming that yes person. And I truly believe that as a dancer, you you have to not just do the steps. You have uh, the the emotion has to come first and then the steps come out of that. That's just the technical side of things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What's it like be transitioning from performer to coach? You know what? It, it's funny because you think that, oh, that should be such an easy transition. But when you, we call it going to the front of the room. So coaches, the dancers dance facing the mirrors. The coaches stand on the other side. Um, so where we say, you know, to the front of the room or to the other side. Um, as a dancer, you're managing yourself. You're managing um, your day. You're managing your body. You're managing how you prepare for performance. But when you're on the other side, you're managing everybody. And so it becomes, it, at first, it can be very stressful because you want everyone to have an experience. You want everyone to feel good about their dancing. You want to help um, and there, it takes some time to balance that. So you have to be okay with not everyone having a great experience and, right, you, you have to manage everybody. So it becomes, we don't, there's no school for being a ballet master. So 
what was the hardest part of the transition for you personally? Like, was that the thing that I think the hardest with? part is I was still, I was suddenly becoming a boss of my peers, even though I had, um, the advantage of being a principal dancer and a principal dancer is more, much more than just what you do on stage, right? You mentor the younger dancers, you lead by example, um, you're an ambassador to the role in the big ballet. So you're already a leader, um, but then you're becoming it's a leader official. and a boss. It's not yeah. official. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that, those are a few, there was a few years where my peers weren't ready for me to be a leader. Was that because they expressed that or was that more, more of an internal thing where you just were thinking that? That's a good question. It, it could have been. It could have been me projecting that on them. Potentially. You know, because I, I, I felt awkward being their leader. Yeah. 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 What, what are some of the memories that you've had from travel? I mean, do you dance for the queen. What was that like? But, yeah. And then what are some other trips that are really fresh in your mind of like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I got to do that? Uh, we'll start with the trips. Uh, Japan, uh, we just, very lucky in the 90s, we did a seven-week tour of Japan. And you can imagine how much you can see of Japan because it's like mm-hmm. a little blip on the map. Um, quite amazing. So you went all over the all whole country? Over. That's so all cool. over. So whenever anyone asks me where my favorite place was to travel, it was Japan. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then we did an outstanding tour of Israel, uh, which was... I didn't know what Israel was going to be like, and it it was amazing, like the the vibe there and mm. and the audiences, the embracing of art there was really incredible. Well, you're in a unique position in that, say you're just doing plays or something or musicals, you can't necessarily communicate the stories to people who don't speak the language, whereas dance is universal. Yes. What well, like? How important, how cool is it to be able to speak to people who don't speak your language just through your motion? Yeah, you, yeah you're absolutely right. It's pretty cool. It, it is. It's universal. Because we can even have, to, to your point, we can have a dancer join the company and not speak English. And we, we can, they can still work. How does that work? Well, because you show the steps. Oh, yeah. And then they, un- the steps. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Right? You just sh- show the steps. I mean, eventually through with coaching you have to start knowing the language but sure. um you can do it through interpretive you know touching the shoulder or yeah just guiding yeah, yeah guiding yeah. your the eyes so you can go anywhere and take a ballet class what so what was it like dancing for the queen is it weird when you have one sort of audience member that yeah, you're focusing on a little bit more than the rest or <laughs> yes. like what's that what, what was that like? uh it, it's just surreal yeah and, and in fact, over my career, I sort of forgot about it in some ways. I mean, when I bring it up to people, they're like, oh, my God. And I've, I have two medals from the Queen, too. Um, it, it was just, a, it was weird to have just, I mean, everyone was watching, but she's like right in front of you. Um, I felt very honored um, because we were representing Winnipeg and Manitoba um, I wasn't necessarily any more nervous than I would have been in front of a normal audience. Uh, but what was amazing is we, my dance partner and I were told that we were going to have dinner with the queen, which so were a thousand other people. Right? So we were going to mm. have dinner. With, the queen would be like a little, little tiny spot on the bottom of the, the ledge there. And uh, 
uh, we finished dancing and of course everyone was escorted to dinner. We had to get changed. Um, we walk into security. They take my dance partner one way and then they take me another way and they introduce me to a protocol officer and then they start saying you you know don't speak to the queen until she's spoken to do not touch her like i'm like what's going on and it turned out that i was sitting with her at the table cool yeah so it was pretty interesting that's a once in a lifetime experience absolutely did you like you said sort of earlier that you never expected to go as far as you did but once you realized that you had this platform or this like ability how driven did that make you and like did you really like hey i'm going all over the world let's do this let's let's jump all in uh it gave me i don't know if there was a shift because i was still do doing what i wanted to do i just got to do more of it right does that make sense yeah for like sure. i got i knew that now once i was a principal dancer i got to be I could always get to do the character. I had a say in, in how I interpreted things because of my experience, mm-hmm. that I had a more collabor- collaborative experience with choreographers and coaches. and Where it used to be just, here's the, here's the moves, you do them, and yes. now it's like, here's some suggestions, what do you think? Yes. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. As an artist, like how cool is that that yeah. you get to... So I was going to say, like how much freedom do your students get? Like, are you kind of aware of that dynamic or? Well, I, I, I don't actually work with students. So mm. I work with the company members. Or I mean the students, how much, how much sort of freedom do they get to? Uh, because they're training in steps. So they're learning all the basics. Um, in their ballet class, there's not much room for interpret, interpreting. Uh, but of course they have other classes that allow that creativity to work. And, and to flow. But when you're working on the ballet technique, it's quite strict. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be strict? Just because. So when you become a professional, it's instinctive. It's bu- uh, muscle memory. So you can take those basic moves and create something different. But everything, so every day, every, all ballet dancers take ballet class. And they start at the bar, like even from the little wee ones to the professionals every day. It's pretty cute to see those little, like we were there uh, maybe last year or something. And they're just, they can barely even like walk basically, but they're able to like do moves that I can't even do. That's right. It's pretty cool. But everybody does the same sequence of moves in different ways. But everyone starts with plies, tendus, degage, and everyone does it. So you do it for the rest of your life. So when you train to do the basics, it just moves up through your career. Right. How important is it to have other styles um, in your repertoire? Crucial. Yeah? Right now. Yeah. Just right now because people are expecting kind of all sorts of styles when they go and see a show? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just be a classical ballet dancer anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Dancers are way more versatile now. Um, You see all sorts of different styles in ballets. Do you yeah. like that? I do. Yeah, you do? Yeah, because I, 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 love, I love classical ballet, but my heart lies more in contemporary ballet. Mm-hmm. Do, have, has the audience's um, appetite for that stuff changed over the years? Or how have you, how have you seen Winnipeg's um, or even the world's audiences change over the years? Like, are people more um, educated on what 
good ballet is now, or were, was it less so, or how, how does that work? I think that the, the audiences have changed because, so a true classical ballet, Swan Lake, um, it's like Shakespeare. You, you, you do have to do it the way it was intended, sometimes. Can an audience that isn't educated in the art form it still enjoy it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Because it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it, visually, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, in modern times, people are reimagining re Swan Lake. So there's Swan Lakes that take place in contemporary times. So much like Romeo and Juliet, where they're taking Romeo and Juliet and bringing it into the times now. So we're, they're doing, that's an example of sort of how we're, we're broadening Ballet. Well, evolving. Evolving. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I was, I've, you see a lot of times that ballet is sort of, it, you think of it as this strict path that is, you shouldn't deviate from it because it's been such an ancient art form. But like, it's cool to see that there's deviations and evolutions of it. When, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. How much have you had to sacrifice? Do you consider any of it a sacrifice? In late, now that I'm in, later life, mid, mid life. Yeah. Uh, I, I did sacrifice a lot. Um, uh, did it feel like it at the time? Absolutely not. Yeah. And there's, there, and people often ask, would you do it over again? But that's sort of not a fair question because now I, you know, know too much. Um, would I do it over again? Yeah, it was worth it. Um, I have people though that ask, I have two daughters if, you know, we would love them to be ballet dancers. And if they're going to be ballet dancers, that's great. Uh, but they, they have to be ready for a life of dedication to the art. Did your parents tell you that? Or what was that? No. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I left yeah. home when I was 13. Oh, gotcha. And we all, right. yeah. we didn't know what we were doing. You know, it was kind of the blind leading the blind. And, and, and my parents, of course, were very, very supportive. But they were learning along with me. Well, how do you let your 13-year-old daughter move away? You know, like that's a, that's a sacrifice in itself to it, be able to. They, they obviously saw the passion in you though, right? Yes. Yeah. And you can, and I've often have parents ask me, um, you know, my child wants to move away and start training and, I, and we're not ready for that. And my question to them is, are th he or she, are they ready for it? Because if you don't let them do this and they lose that window of time, they might resent that. Um, training as a ballet dancer, people always say you should hire a ballet dancer because, um, or anyone who's trained as a ballet dancer because their dedication to the art always moves into whatever else that they're going to do later in life. Yeah, so what, they've learned those skills when they were younger. Yeah, what couldn't you do after you've devoted? Because it's how much are Hours. people training per day? Like, uh, well, the young ones will just do a ballet class, but um, as you go into the more senior levels, the dancers are dancing from eight thirty to about eleven thirty. Then they go to high school for part of the day, and then they come back and train some more. So about another two hours after that. So about five hours a day for the senior dancers every day. Or every day except for Sunday. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Saturday maybe is a little bit less. This might be an ignorant question, but how damaging is it on the feet and the joints and stuff? Like, are you in good shape when it comes to everything like that? Uh, 
later in life or while you're well, doing it? Wow, both, both. Because I've I've heard I've seen some crazy stories, or you know, you hear that it's pretty damaging on on your systems. Uh, well, that's where you start young. Mm. So because well, you can train those muscles. Up you train those bit, muscles. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, girls won't go into a point shoe until their legs are strong enough to do that. Um, so that you're building your base. Proper technique there. is insane. absolutely. Yeah. I was very lucky. I didn't have any major injuries in my career. Um, does ballet hurt? Yeah, it, it hurts. There, you can't avoid that by any means. Uh, very much like a football player, hockey player. Um, there can be some, you know, um, major injuries. There can be um, injuries that you sort of maintain your whole career. Uh, is it hard on your body? It is hard on your body, but because you're trained so diligently when you were younger your body is strong enough to to deal with the impact of jumping and turning and, and men lift mm -hmm. yeah my cousin's a professional ukrainian dancer and she just <laughs> had knees she's like 30 just had knee surgery but like would not change it for a day she loves it you yeah know? And you have that love that's what people always criticize football hockey but as long as you're informed about what's happening People are going to make that decision every day. Exactly, because of the love of the game. Absolutely. So you're gonna you're gonna do it anyway. Yeah, for sure. How important? Let's just talk about the arts in general. How how impactful has that been on your life when it comes to other aspects of of your your career and professional life? Uh, the art, well, the arts has been such part of my life. It's like so, and I don't come from a family that appreciated arts or dance or anything like hmm. that. Um, so I have a deep appreciation for it. Like if I didn't have it, I, it would be kind of bleak. So where did that come from for you if, the, if it wasn't ingrained from a family member? Did you see a show know. or watch anything? or like? No, I never watched anything. Um, we didn't have much TV when I was here <laughs> either. Um, I don't know. I sort of believe that you're kind of born like that as an artist you mean or yeah. or yeah like when someone chooses that path i i sort of feel like there's something in you that has been given you and it's kind of cheesy but no, I, I, know I, I feel that because like for me to dance it's, it's, it was not because i i wanted to dance because i had to dance yeah, I think you hear a lot of like NHL stars. It's not because they it's they have to play, you know. Yeah, but like it's, it's if you. Would you call it an obsession? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's something that I I've never been without mm. until I until the when I decided I'd had to step down because then I knew I was older, but I my body wasn't wasn't having so much fun anymore. Right. <laughs> When things aren't responding how they used to respond, like you're, right. I, I used to be able to. I know, I used to jump out of bed and, yeah. And so what's next then for you? Well, I'm the Associate Artistic Director now, which is not something that I, again, I, I feel like my career just, it's like a, a raindrop and it's, it, or a river, it's just sort of made its way. Uh, I never was, I had to dance. But I never said, I want to be a principal dancer or, you know, I want to coach from the other side or I want to be an associate director or maybe an artistic director. It wasn't, and some people do have those dreams of being an artistic director. 
um, it just kind of, it's all, it's all formed throughout my career. So um, I'm, I am where I want to be right now, absolutely. And I, um, my being appointed Associate Arts Director, I'm learning so much more of the business of ballet, which sounds to people are like, really, you want to know the business of it? And it's like, of course, because if one wants to be an artistic director, it's not, not all about waving a wand and having beautiful dancers and beautiful ballets that all cost money. There's some admin yeah. stuff that you got to <laughs> do. Like other, there's another part of the organization. What's been the most surprising part of that aspect of the business that you're now learning about? Um, the amount of planning it takes. So it's a, like three to five year planning process. So something that you're seeing today on stage would have been planned at the very least three years ago. Wow. So it's pretty amazing. And how important are donors and just people who are supporting the arts in general here in Winnipeg, especially. It's absolutely crucial. Yeah. It's huge. Um, th the most important thing. Uh, and I'm so grateful to our donors and sponsors uh, because now I'm seeing the other side. I'm seeing budgets and <laughs> all um, that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, I don't know if they actually know how much it means because that it allows these dancers to, to create art and, and do what they've been trained to do and perhaps born with lets them do what they want to do. And you're telling sto pretty important stories now. What are, what are some of the shows that are happening uh, in the next couple of years that you're planning or that are, that are happening soon? Uh, well, I'm going to say one of the most important ballets that we have done in the past, and we're bringing it back um, to take it to Mexico to the Cervantino Festival cool. in Guanajuato. Uh, it's Going Home Star which is a ballet that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission um, worked with us to do. Wow. Um, uh, Going Home Star is about uh, the story of Indian residential schools wow. and how we can move forward in reconciliation. So that was a giant project that we worked with the Indigenous community with. Um, that really impacted my di different thoughts and something that I mean if I told you we were doing a ballet about that um, but what happened uh, it was at that time it wasn't as controversial but um, what it did is it got people to talk mm -hmm. and maybe audiences that haven't been introduced to that particular story yes. are now being able to see it in a way that they can't avoid yes you know? and it's yeah. through it's through uh word uh, not words through emotion and movement what what's the biggest challenge in telling such a story without verbalizing it um well i luckily i didn't actually choreograph it so right. <laughs> or it, it just uh, as a as a as an expert well we actually had a lot of education about Indian residential schools and we spoke to elders and we had Indian residential school survivors wow. talk to the dancers who were portraying what we called the children of the past. So we, we talked a lot about it. Um, I think us being educated together uh, was very impactful and I think that's the only way we could have, the dancers could interpret it. Right. Has there been, since you started, I have, I have a preconceived notion about, you know, 
hard nosed dancers that are focused entirely on the craft. Has there been a focus throughout your career more on mental health and making sure people are taking care of themselves internally as well as their physical body? Yes, huge, yeah. huge shift. Um, I, I can tell you that when I was dancing, uh, it's, this is really weird, but I have horrible, horrible, horrible stage fright. Really? Huge stage fright. Um, and back when I danced, uh, you didn't talk about it. Mm. It was kind of, I don't know we, if we didn't talk about it because we thought it was a weakness or we just didn't talk about it. Um, but now, because I had gone through that, I can recognize it in dancers right away. Mm. Uh, and I have very open conversations with them about it because I'd like to help them. It's a struggle. How did you work through it? Well, because I, I would become a character when I was on stage. So um, Put on a mask. Put on a mask or like live it. Um, sometimes I'd be on stage and still remain frightened. Uh, but many, many, most audience members and many of my coaches even didn't realize that I had that struggle. They're surprised now when I tell them. Yeah, that is very surprising. Yeah. What's the uh, difference between stage and, because you performed in movies, what was it like working with Guy Madden? And what's the difference between the, the sort of movie style of performance versus stage performance? Yeah, Guy Ma working with Guy Madden was amazing because he is, he ha he, his genre is like that silent film actor. And, and when he discovered ballet dancers or dancers. He's like, oh my God, they're, they're perfect silent film actors, right? Um, even from the way we use our hands and uh, body language. Uh, so we got to do Dracula with him and, and his imagining of it, uh, which was uh, such a dream for me because I, I was Lucy all day long. And, um, but the, the difference between film and, and live is there's not as much pressure because what you're, when you're doing it live or doing something on stage, everyone is together in that one moment in time. Uh, so that puts a lot of pressure on the performer. You only get one shot, basically, yes. right? Yeah, uh, because those people are going to leave. Because uh, later in my career, I started thinking about audience reaction, and uh, they're going to leave, which made my stage fright right worse. Worse, yeah. Yeah, because as I... I mean, as we're talking, as I got higher up in my career, I had worse stage fright because people were coming to see me and not, you know, the show, the show anymore. Um, so it was that it's that one moment in time that you want to to leave out on the stage. But in film, you can go, oh, wait, like I totally screwed that up. Can we do that again? A little less stressful. Totally. Cool. Well, at the end of our time together, I have seven questions that we call just because. Yes. I don't want you to think about it too much, okay. but just kind of whatever comes to mind after I ask it. You okay to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Question one. What is the very first cause that you actually remember caring about? The arts. The arts? It, absolutely. It's in my blood. But it wasn't ingrained in you from a... No. That's very interesting. No. I innately knew that it was important. How come? Uh, because of the way it made me feel. Mm -hmm. At a, as a young as a young person, that would never have. I, I would never have thought that that was a cause. It was just something that made me feel good, um, and 
because of that, I would assume it made other people feel good. I think it's just all about being able to ex- truly, honestly express yourself. Because so often we're we're taught not to almost we're taught to suppress our true selves and arts is a way to really say what you think feel and want in the world yes yeah yeah very cool question two if money politics and logistics were no issue at all for you what's the first thing you would do in support of the arts uh would implement it in all schools Mm. i think every school should have dance singing and uh, learning instruments uh not I know I know. there's music class, drama, too. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little far away from... I mean, I had drama when I was in school. But I know that there's not much dance. Um, and I, I think that cultivating an appreciation of something, so offer it all, because not everyone can afford to take ballet class and afford to take piano lessons. We need to offer it in schools. And then, then eventually maybe someone has a passion for it. But at a young age, I think we can make room for that. I think it's been widely sort of understood now, the importance of it, but what do you see in some of the, what, how do you see the transformation in some of, some of the students when you see them walk in or meet them for the first time versus you know, five, 10 years later when they have really become true artists? I am gonna say it, there's this confidence that changes, there's because of the love of something and they're confident that they love that, that just translates in life, right? Because you can say to a young person, if you're passionate about something, you can go confidently forward and say, I am passionate about this. So Mm -hmm. whether they're doing it recreationally or, I mean, we have kids who who are recreational dancers that are there at the studio every single day because of their passion for it. Will they be professionals? Probably not. But it just creates that almost like confidence and sense of self, right? Yes, absolutely. Very cool. Question three, what's the biggest, we kind of talked about this already, but what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about ballet or about the arts in general? Uh, I sometimes, it's like people feel like we don't need it. You know, it's not important. It, it's a privilege. It's an add-on. It's uh, the first thing to get cut. Yeah, out of the like curriculum. let's just let let that go. You know, because it's not that important. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget, especially this day and age, that it's very important. Beauty and uh, creativity, um, having a voice in that in that any that any genre of the arts is very important and. I would like to believe that we're moving in a direction where we are bringing beauty back. Yeah, slowly. Um, yeah, it kind of goes back to being able to instill a sense of confidence in people that you don't really get from, you know, learning the sciences and the math. Like, okay, you're yeah. good at math, but it doesn't really translate to creating a, a solid human being, right? right? Like the arts does. And then, um, you'll like really young people, you know, five, four to six, they do art in school and no one's afraid of putting whatever they want on paper. You know, they draw the families that are like just round circles with stick arms and they're so proud of it because they don't, there's no judgment. It's almost like we train that out of kids because that's innate. Absolutely. That is innate in all kids. And then we're just like, oh, for well, some reason we lose it somehow. Yeah. yeah. Well, you change this or do that yeah. or. Um, don't do that. Or, yeah. yeah. So I think 
my belief again is to have those things in in elementary schools and in young people so that as they get older they're not afraid to I mean how many adults are afraid to oh I can't draw or I can't dance or I can you know why mm -hmm. why can't you just like dance like a little kid yeah dance like no one's watching that's right yeah question four what's a time in your life where you had to pivot because a plan wasn't necessarily working out hmm that's a hard question <laughs> I don't think I've ever had to pivot like do a 180 or anything mm -hmm. or backtrack um I think I, I don't this wouldn't be a situation but uh when you sometimes I would do something or say something that it was completely against what I believe because I thought that that person would want me to say that or want you know like I thought I was doing the right thing by doing or saying something to them that to appease them in the moment to appease them in the moment so was that more earlier in your career or more like yeah, yeah early yeah, yeah. um and that's an example with me not an example putting you on the spot here yeah I just, I'm, I'm really thinking about feeling. Like when mm. you ask me that, that's the feeling I get right. of saying something to someone, going back and going, you know, that that's, that's not, not what, what I, I believe in. Yeah. And so I always would, I, even though it was hard for me, I would always go back and discuss it again. That's not what I meant. I, don't, I never let things sort of simmer. That's an important life lesson, I yeah. think, is just to be able to express yourself truly what you mean. Yes. Oh, yeah. But, and that's what the arts is all about. Yeah. Very cool. Question five. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, use your words. That's interesting coming yes. from a dancer. I know. <laughs> and I say it to the dancers now. Use your words. Even though I'm... I'm running around wanting them to create with their body uh, because if because dancers use their bodies so much to communicate, sometimes they feel like they can't use their words, meaning, you know, let's discuss this. What do you think? I'm asking, you know, I'll ask a question, you know, uh, is everyone okay with this? And no one not you know everyone nods but no one says anything it's just like you use your words just kind of say what you mean and mean yes. what you say and, yeah. and don't be afraid to be honest yeah. and I say that to my children too because I ca I can't understand you and where you are with the dancers too I don't understand you and where you are if you don't tell me so use your words that's fast. That's fascinating sort of dichotomy coming from a professional dancer, right? Yeah, like I know. Understanding the importance of nonverbal communication and the power that it has, but then also understanding the importance of yes. using your words. Yes, because um, I'm especially with the talk about mental health now, uh, I can't, if you're not, if you're feeling something and I, I don't know that, I can't help you. So if we all use our words together, we can help each other. Do you think that dancers inherently have trouble communicating verbally more so? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which is fascinating because I never thought about that until we've been talking about it. Me neither, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah, it's interesting. 
but very much so. Is there, would you have any advice for young dancers or old dancers about when it comes to making that a part of your life and, and trying to not necessarily make a career out of it, but continue to do it forever? Like, what would you say to a young person who wants to become a dancer right now? Um, not necessarily ballet, but just like... Just, just yeah, dancing. Yeah. Um, I always say to the dancers, even if you're having a, ba a bad day, um, being at the bar and being together is... Um, we kind of think of classes like church, mm. you know, where we're community and we're all moving together. And even if you're feeling awful, take that moment to move your body and it doesn't matter how you feel or what it looks like. So even mm. if you're doing... Because um, I don't dance anymore and I thought about why I don't it's because in my mind I won't do it the way I did it when I was you know at the top of my game but why is that like who cares I can still move my body mm -hmm. I can still do ballet class it, it won't be principal dancer ballerina good but I can still move the way I want you can to still move. move period yes you know like and yeah. that feels good yeah so it's 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 that everyday taking something away from, even if you're doing it recreationally, taking something away from the class, even if though maybe it physically felt awful. Yeah, it reminds me of the saying, even a bad day on the golf course is still a good oh, day. Yeah, you know, totally. Like you're still out there, you're exactly. doing what you love, even if it's, you know. Oh, I'm going to take that. I yeah. forgot. That's a good one. There you go. Uh, question six, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could, let's say back when you're 13, you're moving from, was it Red Deer? Or did you train? Oh, there? yeah, I moved from Red Deer. I didn't live in Red Deer for very long. Okay. Yes, that's So you're moving to Winnipeg. What yes. advice would you give your 13-year-old self? Uh, be here now. Like be present? Be in the moment, mm -hmm. yes. Were you not? Never. Where were you? I was like, I was always in the future. The next day, then like, it was always the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, striving for the next thing, the next thing. Even though in our earlier discussion, I said it's everything sort of evolved. Uh, so I wasn't thinking future, future. I was thinking like tomorrow. And it, and I, when I think back on that, that, that didn't help me in any way. It created that um, stress of, oh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen? It was always what's going to happen next instead of be here now. Is that because of the training of, okay, what steps are coming up next yes. or what, what's the next scene or whatever? Yeah. yeah, I think so. And, I, and now I coach the dancers uh, start at the beginning and don't think what's going to happen next. Because if, you keep, if you're thinking about what's happening next, then you're not in the moment. Means the current right? steps like, aren't as... They're crisp and perfect as yeah. they could. Yeah. Like why, why is the next step important? More important than the step you're doing now. That's fascinating too. Yeah. What is the biggest surprise about transitioning from, I think I might've asked this already, but mm -hmm. I'm going to ask it again. What's the biggest surprise from transitioning from performer to, to mentor essentially? Um, the, the other surprise, another surprise, is we talked about it before, sort of being in, trying to lead everybody mm -hmm, suddenly. Right. Um, it's the uh, learning how people um, uh, translate things differently or they learn mm -hmm. differently or 
you know, some people just really like just concrete corrections. So everyone's always very surprised when they come in to watch a rehearsal because it, it appears that we're criticizing all day long, but that's, we're trained to strive for perfection. So there's these little nuances that we discuss, but it's trying to figure out how everyone learns. Some people don't care if you sugarcoat it. So they're just like, tell me what's wrong, I'll yeah, fix it. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then other people, it's a slow process. So um, being very open to being okay with how other people do things. Like, I can't say this is the way I would do it and this is the way you have to do it. Were the people you learned from and your trainers and mentors growing up flexible or was it more, this is the way it is? Depended on the person. Mm. I was really, I had a, such a long career, so I got to work with so many people. Um, so I, I preferred the collaborative way. That was my preference. Uh, could I work with someone that was like, this is how it is? Yeah, because at some point it is your job. <laughs> so, uh, but I preferred the collaborative way. For sure. I think, I, I assume everyone does because I do as well, but yeah. maybe. But some not everyone does. Like, yeah. They want to be, you know, like, this is the map Tell and me this what is do. what we're going to do. Yeah. Which that's, that's what's most surprising to me. Cool. Question seven, last question. It's kind of the hardest one. What do you want to be remembered for? <laughs> um, I want to be remembered. Uh, I want the dancers who I work with to remember uh, the impact I had on their career, but kind, the kind impact. Um, that when I talk to people, and actually anyone, I want people to know that I see them, I hear them, everything I say comes from my heart, I am honest. Yeah. Beautiful. And I, I don't even really think about like my career, my dance career or anything. I'm always surprised when people recognize me on the street and, uh, and they'll say, oh, I miss you on stage. And I'm like, what? It just, it's, you know, so eight years ago, nine years ago. It's just because I've had so uh, such a shift in career. That must be surreal for sure. Oh, especially because you're just doing what you love and you just happen to get admiration. and, and Yeah, to get, and it's, like. it's, it's strange. And to the embarrassment of my children when I get recognized. That's pretty cool, though, yeah. still. Well, congratulations on everything. Good luck in the next season and all the performances. Thank you for talking to us on yeah. the podcast. And, uh, yeah, appreciate that your time. It was great fun. Thanks. Thank you again to Tara Burtwistle from the Royal Winnipeg Ballet for talking to us on today's episode of Because and Effect. To listen to any past episode of the show, you can go to becauseandeffect.org. There's 14 more episodes if this is the first one you've ever listened to, so check them all out. There's something for everyone for sure. That's becauseandeffect.ca. To learn more about important things that are happening in Winnipeg, you can tune into Because Radio every Thursday at noon on 93.7 CJNU here in Winnipeg, or you can go to cjnu.ca to listen live. You can also visit becauseradio.org or to listen to any past episodes of Because Radio as well. All music on the Because and Effect podcast was composed and produced by Trenton Burton. You can find out more of his music at trentonburton.com. Special thank you to Sonny Promolo, Robert Zirk, and Jeremy Morantz for assistance on the podcast. And 
on the Cause Radio as well. You can follow the Winnipeg Foundation on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for at WPGFDN. And you can search for me at Nolan Bicknell on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. The Cause and Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off. We'll see you next week. And remember, if you hit a wall, climb over it, crawl under it, or dance on top of it. Bye-bye.